What's going on, guys? This is the Masters of Life podcast, a five times a week interview-based podcast where I interview truly amazing people on their habits, skills, and stories to motivate, push, and inspire action. If you haven't already, check out my Master Crowd, the ultimate media kit platform for professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Mastercrowd.io, where you can catch the videos of my interviews, my blog posts, and my new book, Yes I Can, The 15 Mindset Secrets of Inspiring Entrepreneurs. Enough to chat we got a great one today, just like every other. Let's get it, let's go, right here on the Masters of Life podcast. What's going on, guys? Our guest this week is Evan Knox. Evan is a small business investor and the founder of Caffeine Marketing. Caffeine Marketing makes profitable marketing easy for small companies. Every day, he wakes up excited to help business owners and entrepreneurs like his dad and grandfather succeed. He's now helped over 100 business leaders grow thriving companies. He currently serves as the CEO of Caffeine Marketing and CMO partner in over six different small businesses. Evan Knox will be talking to us about the three mistakes people make in business. Evan, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it is my pleasure. I mean, you reached out to me. It took me a little bit of time to get back to you. But let's go ahead and kick it off with an interesting fact about your background that has shaped who you are. I think it is that I'm a certified gemologist. So, yeah, really interesting, right? Um, so I could look at somebody's ring or necklace and probably tell you what kind of gemstone it is, what quality of gemstone, if it's a real gemstone, um, what type of diamond it is. You know, I probably couldn't like officially grade it on appraisal because I'm not certified at that level. But basically, I could tell you if you have a nice diamond or not. Um, and why that matters is because I grew up. Um, my dad was a um, he was in the B two B space of the jewelry industry, so he would sell diamonds to other jewelry stores. So he's doing whole, like wholesale essentially, and he would import them. And then my grandfather owned his own jewelry store. And so a lot of my upbringing was around design, jewelry, business, all of that stuff. And then when I moved out to Colorado and I was doing school out there, I just worked at a jewelry store there. Um, Cause that's what I, you know, like need a job, had the experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So anyway, I think at a high level, like it's the experience in the jewelry store with my family that really, led me to essentially start my own business. So yeah, it's really cool. I don't, the gemologist piece is not the specific one, but it reminds me of my family and all that time that I spent in the jewelry store or on a bench or something so, like that. I mean, why did you start marketing then? I mean, why not go into jewelry? Yeah. Well, I remember when I was 18, my grandfather, uh, we, we had a multiple conversations that I'm super thankful for at this age, but he pulled me aside and he's like, Hey, Evan, um, I know that, you know, we, I, obviously I love working with my grandfather. Like he had tears in his eyes as he was telling me this. And he was like, Hey, you can't work here anymore. And I said, well, why not? He's like, I do not want to limit you. Um, and he goes, it's hurting me more than it could possibly hurt you. And honestly, right. my grandfather was like one of my best friends. And I'm even like almost oh. crying right now thinking about it. Um, because I mean, he, I don't know that I'm some, you know, business savant or whatever, but I think he did see that, Hey, what we've got going on here, there's better stuff out there. And I, and he's like, I believe in you enough that whatever you're going to do is make a bigger impact in this world than what we've got going on. So I'm super thankful for that. And to me, it's kind of like, all right, well, I do know that really well, but I won't, I don't think I'll ever start that. It's funny that I'm actually, we're in negotiations with the company right now to become partners in, 
um, and they're in the jewelry industry. So it's super helpful. Um, and I'm not saying I won't ever go back to it, but I don't ever see that being like my full-time thing. I'm too, I, I'm, I want to say ADD is the right word, but I just like having a lot of stuff going on yeah. and just having a jewelry store would be kind of boring at this point. So. so, I mean, so the jewelry business in general, I mean, are we going more towards online? Are we still doing in-house brick and mortar jewelry stores? Where's the, where do you see the trend going for that? So there's different generations. And I think that's really important to understand. You have my grandfather and even my parents and older who really value going into a jewelry store. So as long as they're still around, I think that there's a huge potential to market to them, to make custom jewelry. A lot of people are inheriting jewelry, like a lot of jewelry. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even I did. Um, like my dad, who has since passed away, had a, this is pretty, I don't want he's pretty, let's just say it's pretty BA. He had a solid gold pin that had uh, diamonds and emeralds all down the side of it. And I'm like, I, I the, the pin clip broke off and I'm like, I, what am I going to do with this? Like, you know, I've got nothing yeah. to do with stuff. Basically, I'm like, all right, how can I repurpose this jewelry? Because I have an emotional connection to it, but yeah. I don't want to be that guy in the office and nor do I want to have a gold pin in my backpack. Right. So it doesn't work for me, but I want to carry it with me because it connects me to my dad. So I think this is whole, there could, you could start a business right now in the jewelry industry that is all about repurposing um, existing jewelry that people have given you that you've inherited. So mm. all that to be said, I think there's definitely still clientele who wants to go into a store. Um, there's also this emerging clientele that is inheriting that, that jewelry from that generation and the generations before. But people like, you know, our age, I really think are just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. I just want like a pretty I'm an engagement ring for my, you know, mm. whoever. Yeah. And so if that means, honestly, sometimes it's even like is it synthetic or not synthetic, you know, um, or is it produced in the lab or is it um, found out in a mine? And then you read all this stuff about, you know, blood diamond and all mm. that jazz. And you're like, ah, I want to <laughs> do like fair, you know, fair trade diamonds. So yeah. Anyway, there's plenty of opportunities there. I think it just, you have to be in a certain niche. That's all. Mm. Super cool. Well, let's go ahead and talk about you now. So you started Caffeine Marketing. I know that you had a different name for Caffeine Marketing. So let's go into what that name was, why the change, why Caffeine Marketing, and now what do you do with Caffeine Marketing? So I originally, when I started my company, I knew that the problem that I wanted to solve is that a lot of business owners started just basically throwing stuff on the wall hoping something that would grow their company. And often they would waste a lot of time and money doing so because they didn't have the expertise to build a marketing strategy. And so I just wanted to start. And so I just took my last name, just put media behind it. It was like Knox Media. Mm. And then, I mean, it's it, almost catchy, I think. I appreciate it. <laughs> I will say that there's just a, a level of legitimacy that you have when your name is not in your business name. Mm. And I've got plenty of marketing friends that their name is in their business name. And let me just tell you, they're making certain amounts of money. It's going great for them. But I don't know. I just was like, ah, it feels weird to me. That's why my Knox Jewelers is the jewelry store that my grandfather started. Okay. It's pretty well known like in the area, um, at least with older folks, <laughs> not younger right. people. Naturally. Um, yeah, naturally, right? And anyway, so he did that. That's fine. But for me, I just wanted something else. And so I spent months just thinking about it and I'd scrap every single idea and just drinking my morning coffee thinking 
man, what is it? Like I wanted to connect with entrepreneurs mm. and business owners because we work mostly, I mean, we could get into the difference between business owner and entrepreneur. We work with both of them. And all of them run on caffeine. Not all of them, mm. but like you get the point. Most of them are some form of caffeination that helps them hustle, grind, right. um, because this journey is definitely in some regards a grind and you have to put the work in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, I mean, even if, even if the entrepreneur doesn't get the message that they drink caffeine, I mean, caffeine marketing, fueling the marketing to get you where you want it to be. So I think it works. So I think it's a great segue into, um, the three mistakes people make in business. So go ahead and start with the first one that you have there. Okay. Um, the first one is that I think that most people make themselves the hero of their marketing message. So And why that's a mistake is that everybody out there living their own life is not looking for another hero in the story because they're the hero of their own story. So they wake up and they're trying to, you know, they have this story arc every single day. Their boss says something at work, they've got to overcome that. Um, And then hopefully that ends in success. They're trying to avoid failure and mitigate risk. So essentially what I'm trying to paint is that everybody sees themselves as the, some people might, I'll just say it. Some people might say they only care about themselves. I don't know if they only care about themselves, but that is probably their main concern. And so when you come in talking about how great you are and how awesome you are as a company, really people don't pay attention to that because they're not looking for another hero to enter into their story. They're looking for a guide. They're looking for someone that can help them win the day, that can articulate what it is, the problem is that they're experiencing, how does it make them feel? And then ultimately, how can that person solve my problem? And then what is success going to look like on the other side of working with that person? So what I like to do when working with our clients is make them the guide in the story. So like I mentioned, that's articulating what it is the problem that their customers or clients are experiencing and then painting a picture of success. And what does that look like? Um, that might be an aspirational identity, you know, Mercedes Benz, Porsche, those, those companies, those luxury companies use a lot of aspirational identity. Um, we even use that for some of our investment clients who like to pitch as Hey, savvy investors invest with us. It's almost like, I mean, you can, there's plenty of multifamily deals out there, but what separates your multifamily deal from the rest of the other real estate multifamily deals? Well, it's that we are meant for savvy investors. So you have that there and then also helping them avoid failure. So letting people know what's at risk if they don't buy your product or service, essentially, what are they going to risk by going in alone? How much money are they going to waste on their marketing if they just try to do it themselves? So that's the first problem. And that's all based off what's called the story brand framework. It's created by this guy named Donald Miller in Nashville. And we're huge fans. I'm a certified guide. We've been using it for our clients for years. And it's my favorite messaging framework to get a client the highest return on investment for their marketing. So I want to take a step back here because we talked about making them their guide or being their guide. And so a little bit of a Batman and Robin thing, right? Making them the Batman and you're just the Robin. So do you message it as, you know, you can do this on your own without us, but it would really exponentially help if you had us, or do you just say, you know, this is, we are actually side by side with you or we just help you. Yeah. Super interesting. So think of it more like star Wars. Okay. okay. So you have Luke, Scott, uh, well, it depends on what movie, right? Because they all eventually become the guide at some level. But let's go to like the first ones. You've got Obi-Wan Kenobi at some point. He's the hero in one one of the sessions. And Yoda is the guide. And so Yoda is guiding 
Obi-Wan Kenobi on how to win the day. And eventually, mm. Obi-Wan Kenobi is the guide for Luke. Mm. And then eventually, Luke is the guide for um, Ray. So this idea that, hey, I've been there, I've done that, I've done this successfully, um, I can, mm. I'm here to serve you. I've got the experience, I'm secure where we're at, I'm here and now I'm positioned to serve you and your needs and the problems that you're facing. So it's less of like, uh, hey, we're gonna tag team this together and more of a, hey, we've, we can help you. Like we're literally we're equipped it. to do this. We've won the day before, we've, uh, you know, killed the bad guy, saved the girl, um, right. rolled off on camera happily ever after before, and we can help Got you it. do the same thing. Got it. More of a, more of a mentorship angle versus yes. a psychic. Got it. Got it. Okay. So number two. So I would say this is something that I see, especially when we acquire companies, is that a lot of businesses over time acquire these profit leaks and they can be really small. Um, sometimes even 30 to a hundred dollars, which, you know, if you're running a million dollar business, you're kind of, you kind of almost just do these things. Cause you're like, Oh, it'll be a tax break. Mm. Um, I don't know why I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, I should buy this planner instead of that planner or buy this new keyboard. Mm. And I buy all this random crap and it's not always actual crap. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's software. Sometimes it's, um, subscriptions. A lot of times, it's employees that are no longer necessary for your company. Mm. And what a profit leak is, is, is anything that is not directly contributing to your bottom line revenue. And you just keep that expense there. So what I like to do whenever, um, if I'm either consulting or if this is a business that we acquire, we list out every single expense for the past year, every single one, we write them all down. And then we first ask, does this directly um, drive bottom line growth? So essentially, does this directly contribute to revenue? Um, so does this directly equal sales, whatever their thing is, you know, so does it equal sales? And every expense we go through and justify, every single one. And then the ones that we cannot, we go back and we go, can we either trash it or trim it? And often we do this with like expenses that are not human capital first. We try to like keep everybody on board and all that stuff, but, I'm, um, sure, I'm sure that's a tough conversation to have, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, when people are redundant or you hide them for one season and then they're no longer relevant. Um, so, but that's a, we go down that road in a minute if you want, <laughs> but that's a whole nother conversation. So let's just say the expense sheet, not including salaries, just cause that's a whole nother ball game. But we go through and we look at every single one. Can we justify it? Okay, no. Um, and then we go back and we go, can we trash it or trim it? So do we have the option here to get rid of it? So you can just cut it, cancel the subscription, return whatever it is. That's great. It's going to save you money. And then the other option is, can you reduce that expense? So if I'm looking at accounting software, this is so dumb because I've probably spent more time at this point looking at different invoicing software or proposal software for maybe a hundred dollars yeah. over the course of a year of price difference. Um, really not that big of a deal, but I know in my head, it's a principle. I want to make sure that if this does not directly contribute to the bottom line uh, or my you know, top line revenue, then I, I want to make sure that I trim it down as much as I can that expense. And so I'll try to get a deal back whenever. And so what this does is it essentially enables all of the revenue that you worked so hard for to land into profit and stuff just tries to steal. Um, it's Parkinson's law really. So as much as that you have available, it's going to be used. So if you've got all this revenue coming in, it's going to be used up. And I have a buddy 
who I was at a conference with one time and we were talking and he was telling me about his business and I didn't really ask, but I do like to ask, but he was just like, yeah, we're doing like a million dollars in revenue, whatever. I said, that's awesome, man. Um, what are you bringing home? In, like, what are you bringing home in profit? He's like, Oh, like, like $30,000. Whoa. And I was like, I'm sorry. Whoa. I'm, you're bringing $30,000 home in profit yeah. for a million dollar business. And now that we're in the business of acquiring other businesses, there's businesses out there, like really well-known ones that you would look at the balance sheet and go, there are how many hundreds of thousands of dollars in the debt right now? And they're running mm -hmm. in a deficit every single month. Yeah. So, well, Evan, I, well, I got to, I got to bring it up. I mean, this guy's making a million dollars a year in revenue, $30,000 in profit. A lot of companies who just start out, that's amazing. First of all, yeah, I guess it, it's, it's, there's context to that, right? He doesn't have debt. He's bringing in profit of yeah. 30,000. So there's always, uh, I guess a little bit more things that need to go into that story before it means like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing wrong? Kind of thing. Right. Yeah, you're right. Um, but I think it's this, so yes, let's say I don't, I will, I don't, I won't give away who it is, but he, you know, runs a t-shirt printing company and they do apparel printing and some of that. So he's got expensive machines that he's got to buy and pay for. But I, I know for a fact there's stuff that he's doing that he's wasting money on, he's, yeah. you know? Okay. And we pretty much all do it. So if we, I think it's a healthy habit for once a month or at least once a quarter to go through, look at all your expenses and eliminate trash trim, anything that does not directly contribute to your revenue. I feel okay. like that's really important. And why that's really important is that if you ever go to sell your company, say your company sells at a 30X multiple, that $100 that you have, if you turn that into $100 more of profit and you're selling at a 30X multiple, that's another $3,000 in your pocket at the time of selling your company. So I, I, agree. I don't know why, but sense. you have to, it's just important. And I yeah. just, I shake my head sometimes when I look at business owners. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? Why? Like one company was spending $400,000 in dinners every single year. Wow. So they would take people out. Um, yeah. I, I won't give away the type of business in saying this, um, but it's not a good idea. So you wouldn't, wouldn't want to replicate it anyway. But basically they invite all these people in for a free dinner. They pay for the dinner. The dinner is super expensive. And at the end of the dinner, they pitch their, service, their services. Mm. Well, what they, my buddy's working with them, and what they calculated was that it's approximately $14,000 to acquire a new client with them that way. So it's costing $14,000 to acquire a new client. Now, I make a lot of money, but there's dozens of other ways to acquire a new client for yeah. less than $14,000 for that specific industry. Hmm. So it's one of those things where somebody just starts doing it, and then the next person who takes their role just keeps doing it. Mm -hmm. And nobody ever challenges the status quo. And that's really a cultural thing that the business center needs to uh, like make appropriate. Like, Hey, we're going to look at these expenses. Don't just use your entire budget so that yep. you have it next year. I so. mean, I've personally had experience with that. I mean, pharmaceutical sales rep, like those sales reps, B2B or B2C. I mean, you have these expensive dinners where you could easily do a lunch and learn. You could easily do just the doctor, just, certain individuals. I mean, you don't have to impress them too much with the fancy dinner. Sometimes you got to do that, of course. But imagine if every rep in the country just cut down on one meal a month, three meals a month. I mean, like you said, it's just trimming versus trashing, I guess is the first step. So completely yep. agree with you. Number three. 
This is one that I find really interesting and I need to find a better word or a better way to describe it because I see it mostly in lawyers and real estate agents, but no business owner or solopreneur is exempt from this, but it's a scarcity mindset is really what it is. So you could be making hand over fist, hundreds of thousand dollars a year and be afraid to invest back in your company because for whatever reason, you're just not willing to put the money back in. So I remember one of my, um, not one of my first clients, but like maybe a year ago, one of our clients, we had worked with them for a year. And I was like, hey, um, such and such. But, and I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll just go with this. So, hey, such and such. um, Have you thought about building a new Shopify site? Because right now you're on, uh, I think it was like some Wix. Yeah, Yeah, it wasn't Wix because it was, Wix is like their other version, but. Anyway, big commerce, maybe. So, or WooCommerce, I think WooCommerce. So anyway, so WooCommerce, have you thought about Shopify? I think if you redesign your site, you're gonna see an increase in conversions. You're gonna go from like 1% all the way up to maybe 2%. If you really conversion optimize this thing. And then that would mean that without spending any more money, if you just increase your conversion rate from 1% to 2%, you could potentially double your company. Now this is like a $1.5 million company which is pretty sweet because he only had like two people on payroll. So he was taking in a lot of money, which is great. Can I ask what business it was or what kind of service, what kind of business it was, not what it is? Yeah, yeah. Um, It is e-commerce and it's in like the home goods. Okay. Uh, That's about all all I could say. But um, it's not a high price ticket item either. I'll say say that too. It's like the average order was like $50 or so. Oh, very nice. And yeah. So anyway, I pitched this to him and he's like, well, how much do you think a new site would cost? I said, well, Rich, um, we don't have to build it for you. I said, you can have somebody else do it, but I think it's probably going to cost you to do like a really good site that's optimized. Probably going to be, you know, $20,000, maybe 30, somewhere in there. And he was like, oh, I could never afford that. I'm thinking, <laughs> I know your balance sheet. Like, yeah. Yeah. Of course you can. Like, stop being cheap. Yeah. Like, don't be cheap on these random things. Don't be afraid to bring in somebody to help you. Um, and what I found is that there is a certain type of business owner that stays small. Now, small is relative, mm-hmm. right? Because $1.5 million, that could change somebody's life mm-hmm. very quickly. But he will probably never get past two. He just probably won't because he is always going to – and he bought the company. The company stayed at 1.5. He's basically just managing it and trying to keep it from losing money. Mm-hmm. So he's not in – and it's winning. It's not on the offense. Yeah. And so what's unfortunate is that a lot of business owners do that. And so I think it's the thing that keeps them from scaling and growing to the next level is they're not willing to trust somebody else. Trust somebody else is the expert or the guide in the room when it comes to marketing. When it comes, I was talking to a guy today. Um, he does like HR consulting and he can completely transform a company, him and his team can. And I just thought, you know what? Like I, I guess I really don't know at all about HR but this guy probably does. Um, so it's just a, a humility. It's like a mix of like being humble, knowing that you don't know everything. And then also not having a scarcity mindset that you're afraid to invest in your company. Or the other one is that you're afraid to bring a partner in because a lot of the companies that like I'm a partner in, um, these people were willing in to bring in myself and they, maybe one or two other like partners where we have like, really good expertise or funding and we can actually help these people get to the next level. And yes, we're going to take a percentage of equity, but these people are going to make way more money, like mm-hmm. a lot, a lot more. So it's an yeah, investment, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
So the guy that, that does the home goods stores that's making, or the home good products and is making 1.5 million, what did he do before? I mean, why does he have that scarcity mindset? Did he not grow a business? How did he have the money to purchase the business in the first place? Where's his mind at with that? Where's his experience? So I think if I remember that correctly, he co-owned or was like the CEO of a conglomerate of a couple of different brands. So there was probably maybe four or five, five million dollar or so brands, $10 million brands um, in annual revenue, not in valuation. And so there was all these brands and then there was this one brand. The one brand was the one that he currently owns now. And my understanding of the story was they were able to sell all of the companies, but they were unable to sell the one that he still has today. So I think he ended up buying it or he became the sole owner of it in some form or fashion. So, so kind of tumbled across it in a way. Yeah, it it's almost like, yeah, for sure. And the, the company's been around, I think something like 64, 1964, oh, something wow. like that. Okay. And so, you know, very well-known brand, you would recognize them. Um, but he just, yeah, he doesn't have the willingness to trust other people to scale and grow it. So mm. it was doing, 1.75, you know, and now it's doing 1.5 or somewhere around there. And he's just not willing to invest or trust other people. So wow. it's just, it's almost like you squeeze the life out of it. You like, if you have your hands on a business yeah, and if you don't open up your hands enough to have other people like help you, you're just going to squeeze the life out of it. You're going to kill it. Mm, yeah. Um, which is unfortunate. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, stubbornness is the, and just the pride, I think, is one of the biggest things, too. So I want to talk about what is, I mean, you have here, what's the easiest way to grow someone's company? I mean, is there one way to grow your company? You know, I think businesses are kind of like humans. 99% of our DNA is the same, and then 1% is what makes us all kind of look different um, or have, like, different athletic abilities or whatever, or some of us are smarter than others. Uh, I'm saying that because I'm laughing because I was rolling at the gym today with a dude who's a lot smarter than me. Oh, do you like, do? Oh, you're jujitsu. Jujitsu, yeah. nice. nice. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was rolling down and thinking, man, this dude's bright. Like I, this, he's our. Um, what's he do? He's a archaeologist. Mm. Um, he's like, yeah, something's on master's degree, and I was like, yeah, you're like a whole nother level, bro. Like, it's not <laughs> my, it's not my game. So anyway, that one percent is what makes us all a little bit different. But businesses are kind of the same. You really have a couple things that are important. You've got profit, you've got sales, you've got, you know, legacy. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on, but they're all pretty much the same. They're just different variations of it. And is there one particular thing that I think will grow a company more than others? I think the easiest thing is your messaging. So if you can shift from being the hero of your marketing to playing the guide, I think that's really important. Um, but maybe another step is just taking an audit of your current marketing strategy. And what I mean by that is I would just list out three categories in the form of a funnel I'd go brand awareness, consideration, and conversion. And I would list out all the things that you're currently doing to make people aware that you exist. And I'll write all those out. And then I do the next thing. This is an oversimplification, but I like to keep things really simple. The next one is consideration. In what ways are we keeping our like our brand top of mind? That's essentially consideration. It's like when people know that you exist, but they're not sure if they want to buy your product or service. And then how easy is it for people to buy your product or service? Like, is it productized services? Um, can they check out? Is it a long wait time? You know, how cumbersome it is, all that stuff. So it's just 
taking an audit of your current marketing funnel, and then you can make appropriate steps from there. Uh, I think understanding that's really important. Very cool. Okay. So I really want to, because it just came to my mind. I mean, have you read the book talk like Ted? Mm, no. Okay. So th this guy uh, gets all the characteristics of all the top Ted talkers and he compiles them in a book. And <laughs> one of the things is storytelling. And the major thing in storytelling is to make sure that someone has someone to root for the hero. And so it reminded me when you were talking about the hero that we make the other person the hero. So when we do the marketing and we tell the story that this could be you, this is your story and this is who we can make. This is just something that came to my mind when you talked about the hero. So anyway, um, I really want to wrap things up here because you dropped a lot of knowledge and the three things that really are so common. I know a couple of people who I can even share this with right now before the episode even comes out so they can get a kind of a head start. But last piece of advice for people if they take anything away from this conversation. I personally, this might be a small pivot, but uh, the question I've been asking myself lately is does this matter a hundred years from now? So mm -hmm. that answer is really, I've learned that that answer is very different for different people. Um, I think recently I've had some friends bring to mind that like, Hey, there's some, um, you know, some issues that are going on right now that are really important to them. And that that's still going to be important when they're gone to them. Mm. Um, but for me, I'm thinking, all right, when I'm gone, does this proposal go through right now? Does that really matter hundred years from now? No, it doesn't. Mm. Um, I'm going to hop on a call with a client, you know, here in a little bit. And if that client was just for some reason, you know, unhappy about something, is that going to matter hundred years from now? No. Um, or if I have a, a big contract go through, I'm like, does this really matter hundred years from now? Probably not. Hmm. Uh, so I just like to keep this like levelness about it, and that honestly, that's just that's some. I I think I would probably like stoic stoicism, but for me, it ties more so to like my my Christian faith, and that I look at this life as just a short little blip that I know hopefully I'll spend eternity with with Jesus. But and as I look at that, I go, okay, does this really is this? Am I going to let this affect? my overall mood or my day or whatever. Um, because I think a lot of the times we like, for me, stuff will go on and I'll forget about what I was even upset about a month mm -hmm. ago. I don't know. I was like sad or happy or sad about a month ago. Right. So I don't think there's any need to, you know, make things bigger deal than they need to be. Nice. I like that. Well, so usually I ask this question and we were going to wrap it up, but because you went down that road, the question I usually ask at the end is, what are you grateful for? I today was just, and I don't do this every day, but I got my notebook out and I was just, I wrote like a whole page, which for me, I don't love writing. So that's it was a big deal. I was like, okay. oh, I'm going to be thankful. Um, I, the, consistently in that book, I, I'm thankful for health and family and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But recently I've just been growing, I feel like closer to God in a way. I don't know how to articulate that. So I've just been very thankful that um, I feel like he is changing my heart a little bit in some ways to draw closer to him and hopefully be more humble and be more like him. And I'm certainly not perfect at that, uh, but I feel like I feel like he's making changes in my heart a little bit slowly over time. So I'm thankful for that. Beautiful. All right, Evan. Well, lastly, roll out the red carpet. Where can people find you? What are you working on? And where? what are your social media handles? Yeah, so Instagram is just... Evan B. Knox, and my website is Evan Knox, so no B, 
Um, and on both Evanox and caffeine.marketing, I've got a guide on how to build a winning sales funnel. So if you're in charge of marketing or have anything to do with uh, growing a company, it'll teach you step-by-step, -step, almost like a kid's Lego kit on how to build a sales funnel that will actually be profitable. So it's super easy. Uh, might take you, you know, an hour or two and it can dramatically impact your um, sales for your company. Beautiful. Thanks, Evan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, guys. People will inspire you or drain you, and it seems like you chose wisely today. You just spent time with Evan Knox and Christian Perez. Catch you next time with a new guest on the next episode of the Masters of Life podcast. See ya.